Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 84. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at Journeyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I just had a thought, man. How would it be if the next time you did the intro like that, you did it in your best Vince McMahon voice? Just a thought. Hmm, I'll think about it. Yeah. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome. I was going to say a journey to virtual enlightenment in my best Vince McMahon, but I actually haven't thought about how Vince McMahon speaks in so long that uh, it wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. All I can think of is welcome everyone to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of is Austin. It's me. <laughs> and the fireworks continue, ladies and gentlemen. Because this time it's part two of the interview with Brad Pinkson. And I have to tell you, John, he went through a lot more uncertainty in his move to that director of global solutions consultant than I realized. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear about. Um, my favorite part, actually, you know what? Rather than talking about it, let's just get these people in. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you listen to part one. There's great stuff there. If you're interested in that management position as part of your career path, you know, um, Brad talked about a lot about it there. Um, he's going to talk about it some more here. So uh, let's get into episode 84, part two with Brad Pinkston. think that instead of telling you know that person what my boss uh what they need to what my boss needs to think about them just turn it around on them what do you want them to think like what do you think equals doing a good job and then the conversation starts creating itself because that person will will kind of realize where their gaps are and if they're too stubborn to realize it then then it sets other wheels in motion that might be might be better as well. Well, it's interesting because it sounds a lot like like account development processes and, and sales development processes, right? Like if if you sit down and say, hey, you know, map out this organization for me, you know, here's the the chief information officer, you know, wh who are their reports? What are the VPs that report to that CIO? And then what are the like directors that report to that? those VPs and then, you know, who handles this and who handles this part of the infrastructure and who handles, you know, these kinds of questions. And then if you just have this standard set of questions that you ask about an organization and then, hey, what's important to the CIO? What's important to the CEO of that company? How is what, you know, you we are doing as a company relevant to those concerns, you know, that those C-level executives have? And if if you don't have any answers and there's like gaps in information there, then 
you've just exposed those gaps and you ex you've exposed the things that you need to work on. So it's very, very analogous to what, you know, technical salespeople are doing on a routine basis. They just haven't applied it to career advancement. And I would probably say the same thing for someone who's just like a general IT practitioner. Like, hey, you know, if you're running like IT for a medium-sized business, you know, what do the VPs care about? Like, what are they judged on? Do you not know? If you don't know, then you just expose like some information that you need to go get in order to be more relevant to that um, IT organization, right? Just very analogous. It's very interesting that I've never thought about it that way until you said it the way you said it. Again, not a question, just an observation. That's John's like second epiphany during this episode. That's and my your, brand. Your, your epiphany off of something I said kind of makes me uh, uh, sound smarter than I really am, John, so I need to surround myself with you more often. Well, we did also have you on to say smart manager <laughs> things, so it sounds like he made you sound smart. That's it. my strategy, Nick, is just surround myself with people smarter than me and, uh, you know, and I'll, air quotes, lead the team of people smarter than me and things just kind of fall in place. Yeah, hey, it's a good strategy. That, that's a very good strategy, actually. <laughs> I, um, I noticed that you said some things that were analogous about the interview process, you know, advancing your career, like you, you just in general, if you're starting to interview for new positions, like you never schedule the first interview with like your dream job, right? That's, that's something that you said. So your first management interview wasn't for a position that was your dream management position. Um, but were there differences just in that process and the way that you approached it like that, that really s stuck out to you as different from interviewing for an individual contributor position? So to make sure, um, and, and it, it, to, to clarify, the, the first one that I interviewed for, John, was 100% mm -hmm. my dream job. Oh, like, really? I, okay. Oh, I was devastated when I didn't get it. So this whole philosophy on, uh, you know, uh, uh, treating, uh, treating interviewing the same way that, you know, we treat the certification tests. That didn't evolve until later in my career, I'll, okay. I'll say. Um, that was a lesson learned then. Exactly, lesson learned. Um, but, you know, it, it did develop, you know, very quickly, uh, you know, when I saw the gap um, of, oh, my expectations were way down there and I should have been having conversations up here. Um, okay, this is, you know like a certification test, right? You know, I, I now know what I need to go, uh, what I need to go do. Yeah, that's very similar to any kind of like individual contributor job, right? There's a certain set of questions that you're probably going to be asked, you know, about like collaborating with team and, and, you know, how you resolve conflicts with teammates. But if you go into a management, you know, interview and you can't answer the question, what's your management style or leadership philosophy, um, you're going to stumble. Like you, yeah. you need to know that those kinds of questions are going to be asked. And, you know, I, I think that the, the philosophy on, you know, the way that I treat that whole interview process is, is very, very much the same on an individual contributor and even more applicable on individual contributor jobs because um, there, there are more of them. Right. So, you know, that, that next opportunity is going to come up probably, 
sooner. You know, the next dream job, if you will, is probably going to come up sooner if you're out there actively, you know, looking and that kind of thing. So it's even it's even easier to. All right, I interviewed. I failed on this one. You know, this company is it, it prioritizes this. You know, I interviewed here. This industry prioritizes that. You know, those kind of things. Um, and I guess I probably should make sure and, you know, warning, uh, you probably don't want to interview 15 times that if you really want to work for Amazon, don't pick 15 crappy jobs. And then, you know, because you probably aren't going to get that 16th interview. So, you know, make sure and, uh, you know, and, and, and temper this a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that the philosophy still applies to individual contributors. Yeah, that's good. And maybe, you know, maybe getting somebody in your extended network who is a manager to mentor you and kind of interview you informally might help too. That's just something I thought of. Yeah. Actually, uh, going through that, that kind of thing right now, um, with, uh, with one of the folks on my team that, that is showing interest in, you know, pursuing a, a management path. Uh, he's interviewing, uh, informally with my boss, with one of the sales managers and, you know, some, some other people that I've set that thing up for him, you know, kind of like a mock interview so that he, he gets the, the real process that I just went through. And it seems like those folks in higher places are pretty willing to to offer up time for this kind of thing because of the focus on career development and retention. Yeah, I I, I feel like I mean, and keep in mind, you know, I've I've been in leadership in in VMware, uh, you know, seen it in other places, but I do think that more and more big companies like this are being it, it's being necessitated to create a better leadership culture like this. Or to your point, Nick, they they lose talent. So I would say that this is probably going to apply in almost any company that you know that we're talking about. Yeah, good advice. So speaking speaking of leadership, one of the things that I've noticed is that you've had to switch managers twice in the last year. So I'm just really curious to pick your brain, Brad, on how you prepared for those transitions because you're already a manager and you're reporting up to a solution engineering director, if I'm not mistaken. So how, how do you mentally prepare for that shift in your management and what advice would you give somebody else when transitioning to a new manager? So to some extent, I feel like I've kind of become a uh, an expert at this, Nick. I actually had to go back and count. Um, as an individual contributor at VMware, in four years, I had four bosses. And uh, in my management time at VMware, it'll be five years in October. And in five years, I've had five bosses. So, it, you know, that, that's that's kind of a good thing in my mind because typically if your manager's changing, the company's growing, you know, we, we typically don't, you know, most companies don't want to change the organization just for the sake of change. It's because there's growth or, you know, something like that. So, um, I, I've, I've found it a good thing, but the way that I've, I've handled it uh, and turned it into a good thing is... 
You know, I, I think that, and I, I do speak for myself on this, um, I, I do what I would want, I do with my new boss what I would want, you know, my team to do for me. I want to know up front, you know, what do you want to do? What do you feel you're good at? Um, how do you like to be communicated with? You know, the, the faster that we can get up to speed and, and you know, make the, the relationship productive as opposed to, you know, let's do this introduction dance for a few weeks, um, the, the, the better it is. So one of the first things that I, I do, and, you know, it's kind of an icebreaker as well. So it's, it's one of the first questions I ask when I have a new boss is, how do you like to be communicated with, right? Because now there's so many communication channels. And if I'm expected to be communicating, people communicate with me in a certain way, and then people don't, I get frustrated and I might associate some of that frustration with that person, which isn't fair, but it's human nature. So I try to be better at it. So the first thing that I do with my boss is, do you like, uh, I, what, what are all the different mechanisms we use now? Teams, Slack, uh, we've got, uh, it, do you, are you a texter? Do you, do you want email? Do you want me to call? You know, like what, what's the best way for us to communicate the most effectively? Daily usually, Zoom invite. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Do you like, uh, do you like video on, you know, anytime you're, you're on Zoom? I actually had uh, recently a boss's boss that I interacted with a lot and uh, he was a, if you're on Zoom, your video's on kind of guy. Um, and so I immediately tried to adapt to that. But uh, that conversation of how you like to be communicated with, it's, it's kind of an, an icebreaker and a really nice, in my opinion, uh, olive branch on, look, I'm going to try to make you managing me as easy as possible for you. So, you know, it starts that and, and that helps, uh, I think, make, I think by trade, most, most SEs are just more humble than they should be. Um, this is a good opportunity to not be super humble. You know, don't be arrogant either, but talk about some of the good things that you've done. Um, so that you know, your new boss knows that you're confident, you know, a confident SE is a good SE. So they know what, to, uh, you know, what to, to give you to do, what you, what you can be good at. And, you know, if uh, they're expecting you to, to do a certain thing, but the way that you do that thing is you delegate it to your team because you know that that's not one of the good, th one of the things that you're good at, you've now set the anchor of, hey, I'm a little bit different. I'm going to farm that out, but I'm really good at this thing over here. Watch me do that. Um, take the opportunity to set the stage as opposed to, uh, you know, waiting for it to be set for you. We're speechless. That's, that's great stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Not sure if that's uh, maybe that's the first, you know, 30 days. There's probably a <laughs> lot more to it than that. No, I, I totally, I, I understand that it's, it's setting the tone um, making that as transition as frictionless as possible and uh, smoothing out all, th all the things that can be smoothed out, right? Um, you know, how do I make, you know, what's, you know, generally, you know, can be a difficult process as easy as possible. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and that kind of opens the door, like you said, to allow them to communicate other expectations that maybe you you didn't bring up. Oh, yeah, I prefer this. And, you know, they might tell you some other things that they prefer, not just communication, like I need these reports done by this day, and we're doing forecast calls on this day, so have your team be ready. Exactly. When are the TPS reports due? <laughs> so you mentioned um, this move to globals. Can you talk a little bit about that process? You know, you've. It sounds to me like, in general, you've had positive relationships with your reports. Um, what was it like talking to your manager about, you know, taking this position or even going for that that position? Um, I hope everybody is as lucky as I am about support for those kind of things. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I've been trying to to not use uh, you know names and call people out specifically, but since this is a positive, I'm going to call Yvette Edwards out and say thank you for the support that, that she gave me on this. I mean, you know, all I did was uh, I. I it was mentioned to her that, you know, someone had brought this role to my attention. You know, it was something new, an opportunity to to further my career. And I wanted to, to, uh, to you know, just find out more about it. And she was, I mean, amazingly supportive. Um, and I've, I've been lucky enough to have the same experience every time I've, I've gone, uh, you know, for for that uh you know, for that type of change or career progression. Um, and it was, and to expand on it even more, it was really, really important to me because it was hard to, to make the decision to leave my team. So if I wouldn't have had support from my existing manager that, you know, she recognized and validated that this is, you know, a, you know, a career expansion opportunity, it would have made it even harder. So, um, you know, even more reason for to, to recognize that good managers are going to encourage your career mobility. Right. And I would probably add to that. They're going to encourage it, even if it causes them a little bit of pain in the short term by not having you on the team. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it and uh, this is a bit of a tangent or a rat hole, but you know, one of the things that you you kind of um, you kind of prompted me with one of the questions, Nick, was what was the best advice uh, a manager ever gave you? Um, and the guy, if he's listening, will know for sure because uh, I've, I've told him how 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 funny and impactful this was, but. I had um, I'd made a bad choice about a flight expense or something like that very early on in my career at VMware, and my manager made uh, uh, as as we were talking about me being at that meeting with a very very expensive flight. Um, before he hung up, he told me, "Brad, I just need you to remember something. You're not that important." <laughs> and he and. and I read a lot into it. I think he meant it just as simply as, look, we got to keep expenses down, you know, uh, but reflecting back on that funny moment in my career, it reminds me that, you know, I'm not, repl I, I'm, I'm not irreplaceable. Uh, you know, I, 
to, to the, and the reason it sparked it in my mind, Nick, is the fact that you said that it might cause a little bit of pain. You know, I, man, I, I, I'm not irreplaceable. We've got so many good leaders at VMware, you know, that there was a, somebody else was able to, you know, to, to take on the role that I was playing before. It gave somebody else an opportunity to expand their career and do something new. And, you know, a the team wasn't going to collapse, uh, you know, if I moved on. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself and laughed, Brad, you're just not that important. That's hilarious. I mean, you wouldn't have been that great of a leader if uh, if you left and the, and the team collapsed, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, it... it there, there were there were multiple plans for you know su su uh, succession planning and things like that, and we were able to just execute on one of them. And uh, you know, I, I I know that Nick just desperately misses me, but I, I know that his his new manager is a fantastic leader as well. I do. Uh, I feel so abandoned. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. It's not. It's not that you took this new job. It's more like you were getting away from Nick. Is what yeah, I'm hearing. That's what it sounds like. That's okay. how I took it yeah, yeah. personally. We'll, we'll talk offline, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about that transition to the new team? I think you've mentioned before about you know kind of laying off the the kind of career discussion um, early on, but what about the other types of transitions as you, as you, you know, start managing a new team, especially, I mean, I guess this is like a new team, you know, specifically for a job that you hadn't done before, right? At VMware, you hadn't been a, a global solution consultant. So um, not that every manager needs to manage, you know, only jobs that they've ever done before, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but what was that, that transition like? Um, you know, I, 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 I learned, you know, in my first management role, when I first started that, um, I, I, what I needed to, you know, trust and have confidence in the people that picked me, that my skill set was, you know, right for the job. So, you know, I came in, um, I came in confident in the fact that I'm not quite sure exactly what I need to do, but these people think that I've got the right skill set. So I know that I've got the right skill set. Let's figure out why I, I've got the, the right skill set. And I, I think that, I mean, you know, to some extent, uh, we just do what's natural to us as SEs, right? I'm, I'm an SE by trade, SE by, you know, um, by uh, mentality and the way that I fix, and this is what attracts me to, to management is because, you know, people management and, and everything else, it's just solving problems, right? And that's what we all do as engineers, right? How do we solve a problem as an engineer? How do I solve the problem, you know, with this team from where we are to where we want to get to? It's as simple as assessing current state because if I don't know where I am, I, I can't get to where I want to go and then put together a, okay, well, I know where we want to go, you know, with culture, with revenue, with, uh, you know, team atmosphere, with, you know, growing the accounts, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what, what, let's, let's do some goal setting. 
and then let's develop a plan to move current state to future state. And if you break it down that simply and you've got, you know, that type of fundamental, here's what it is, here's what we want it to be, let's progress it from, you know, from current to future, it, it, everything just kind of starts falling into place. And that's the way that I tackled this. And, you know, I've, I'm continuing to just stay confident in the plan, you know, just execute the plan, stay the course, um, even when, like, as we all are with COVID and everything else that's going on, you know, I, I just don't see how there's enough hours in the day to, to get done what I want to get done. But keep the faith. You know, we've seen some amazing growth numbers, which is what we, you know, we, we want to continue here. So, you know, um, um, yeah, stay the course, uh, you know, lead the team, make sure and celebrate the little wins. You know, we, we might not have hit our number, but we did hit 130% growth year over year. So you got to celebrate that kind of stuff. And, uh, but that's the way that I've led the team so far. It hasn't really been a big transition because I just tried to fix the problem. Yeah, that's a great point because you took over during a time of, significant uncertainty for everybody mm-hmm. in a time of uncertainty about who their boss would be. Yeah. So you had to kind of set your team at ease from the get go and pull them up to where they need to be. Uh, I just realized that after you said it. Yeah. I have to imagine for the most part, or maybe even a hundred percent, like you've never managed these people or sat face to face with these people as their manager, right? If you just took over a, cu- a couple months ago, um, that was during, you know, lockdown and during, you know, social isolation or social distancing. So that must have provided some new challenges that maybe you wouldn't have had normally. Am I you right? Know, I, you know, the, the interesting thing, you know, to that point, John, that, you know, I don't think it's been super challenging. We'll see once I do start, you know, getting the opportunity to see him face to face, and I desperately want to. But um, I've tried to prioritize one on ones, videos always on, you know, kind of stuff, and it does make a difference. Um, so that hasn't been as difficult. What has been extremely difficult is, and I didn't even think about this, is. I wasn't just taking over a team where another manager had left. What they what they did is within my segment, within my organization, there were uh, different regions, if you will, that had, say, seven accounts in each region. And so they cherry-picked a few out of each region and brought them into this region that I'm now leading. So I didn't really think about that. I was just like, oh yeah, accounts from each region, good stuff. Well, then the people come together as well, and the people didn't even know each other. So you know, none of the GSCs on my team had really been a cohesive team before. So like actually the thing that I had to focus on as far as interpersonal relationships wasn't me with them, it was them with each other. Because that collaboration is is vastly important, you know, on success for this kind of team. And so I've been I, I needed to 
and, and that was part of that current state assessment, right? I had the I, I had the wrong assessment of current state. I didn't think I was gonna have to do a lot around, you know, team building, rah rah rah, you know, that kind of stuff, which is very, very important. Um, but I, I needed to put that into my plan. And so that's really been the biggest problem that COVID has thrown um uh, you know, a, a monkey wrench into our new team operating at, at peak efficiency. Yeah, that in-person meeting, you know, at a restaurant or, you know, having snacks at a happy hour or, um, you know, some of those types of like team building, like interpersonal relationship building, you know, without that, that history with each other, I, I can see how that's an issue. It's not that you were taking over um, a pre-existing team, you were building a new team um and taking over yeah wow and covid wow that's that's really challenging well and let me add one more i'm pretty sure i don't know this 100 percent sure but you know you came from managing a team that was mostly dallas fort worth and one person from austin my understanding is that these folks are spread out more across the country right so they're not they can't just come to where you are once this blows over at the 30 minute drive or 15 minute drive. Yep. Or three I got hours one even. East coast, two central and three Pacific. Um, and Arizona should be mountain and not Pacific. I'm going on record right now. It's confusing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but time zone management has been interesting, right? Like I, I know it won't be this way forever, but it's been important to me to, you know, try to start my day at seven and not end until seven, uh, because you know I want to I want to be involved. I want them to to not you know think well there was COVID Brad and now there's real Brad right and that's just something that I had to be comfortable with to support my team. You know, actually before we did this, I was on a um, a technical QBR uh, that didn't end until seven my time, but five, you know, for my uh, my GSC on the West Coast. But it was important to me to support him, even though I just sat there and listened on the Zoom. You know, uh, it was important to me to support him so that you know we built continue to build that interpersonal relationship. Very very cool. I something you you mentioned even before, which was you know, camera on meetings and, uh, you know, just phone calls like, you know, just audio doesn't give you all the, all the cues. And when I came over to Google, like that was one of the big cultural shocks that I had was, you know, the expectation, you know, the, the norm was your cameras on. And, you know, of course, like people have good reasons to, to have them off sometimes, like if they're eating lunch and they don't want, you know, just, to expose their, their gobbling habits or whatever, or like, Hey, I just don't want to subject you to my morning face or, or whatever it is. But, you know, to, that is a, a cultural shift and, and sometimes that can be difficult. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been challenging building a new team around this, but you know, it's just been a new muscle muscle to flex and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a good, uh, a good thing to learn. Sure. And I'm sure, you know, as a manager, it's like yet another one of those skills that you need to have in your repertoire, right, of of management, building new teams, or, you know, as opposed to growing new teams, or as opposed to taking over, you know, troubled teams and turning them around. Like, there's all these different scenarios 
that you want to have experience in as a manager. And, and it's, it's one of those things. I, I, I just, I recognize that again, um, in my analogy as a, you know, individual contributor, like my experience at VMware was almost exclusively with, um, you know, existing accounts. And then when I moved over to Google, I had almost all greenfield accounts. Um, and I realized, wow, you know, I, I felt like I was a pretty experienced, um, SE, but this was a muscle that I hadn't flexed before, you know, breaking into uh, a new company. So I, I can see how breaking in like, you know, one of those skills is, uh, it's scary, but it's also exhilarating at the same time. Yeah. Again, yeah. not a question, just an observation. That's apparently that's what I do. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a John on John. You know, my epiphany from that is I'm sure you did exactly what, what I did. Right. I mean, you know, you might not have done exactly that before. Um, you know, you might have needed a Phillips head screwdriver for the job, but you can pull out the old standard and, uh, you know, get the get the job done. You know, just pull out one of the things that you've done before and apply, you know, that to the new situation. And uh, that way you're not starting from scratch. You know, you're, 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 you're able to get the job done. It might not be the most efficient, but, you know, experience is, uh, is, your, uh, is your toolkit there. Well, it's, it's, I'm guessing it's like most things where you have to let go of being perfect at something, especially, you know, even if you've, you're coming from a situation where you're like, uh, used to performing at a high level. Like you, I, I feel like, uh, like I've hit on something that like an inside joke. You guys are both laughing. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you, you, you want to say it or you want me to go ahead, go ahead, Nick. Nick well, no, uh, this, I will always hear Brad Pinkson's voice telling me that uh, perfect is the enemy of complete. There were many a times where I was trying to tweak something to my own view of, of completeness and perfection. He was like, sometimes you just got to let it go, man. Sometimes you just have to say that's good enough. It's never going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's and it's it's hard for uh, it's hard for technical people to do that, but uh, yeah, perfect is the enemy of done. Yep, I hear you. Interestingly enough, here, Brad, you also had to adapt to being on a new team of peers, right? Because all your peers were on a totally different team than the one you were on before, right? So, you know, it's interesting, Nick, that, you know, you bring that up because in this situation, um, I was new to uh, a group of, of peers, but to a lot of extent, um, that new team was forming as well. And I think that when you have things like this happen and, you know, uh, you know, because of the situation I was in, we we had expanded the team and a new strategy had come in and keep following me here and you'll understand where I'm going. Um, my boss was new to managing the team that I'm on now. And so not only was, you know, I did, I had the dynamic to think about where I've got a bunch of peers that have been in these roles for a while and a lot to learn from, you know, I've got, uh, my new manager who's a new manager to all of them. And he's trying to instill some newness uh, of different things as well. 
So, you know, I had to quickly, you know, learn and adapt to the fact that, you know, I've, I've, I've got to balance the fact that I can't be new guy and talk about, you know, what we used to do all the time because nobody, nobody really wants to just continuously hear from, from new guy about, well, this is the way I've always done it. I had to learn from my peers so that they would allow me to, you know, to give them some teachings or best practices that I had. So I had to balance that. But at the same time, my boss was creating this new team atmosphere or culture, you know, uh, same people with me being the new one, the one new guy, but a new team, if you will, because of the fact that he was instilling a new culture. So it was a really, really interesting dynamic on the fact that, um, I was a participant, but was very quickly kind of thrust into a, uh, I need to talk more and be a leader more than I probably typically would because I knew my boss wanted me to talk about certain things. Got it. Does that, like, I, I don't really think that that answers, uh, you know, where you were going specifically because it was such a unique case. Um, but hopefully that helps uh you know shine a light on the fact that you know you got to assess the situation because very quickly i determined oh this isn't going to be the classic i'm just jumping into an existing team and i'm the new member it was a di very different dynamic and i had to adapt quickly i don't think that it's that uncommon though right because a lot of times when like a higher level middle management change is made, it's because exactly what you said, it's expansion, um, it's, you know, any number of things. And, you know, organi the organization is shaking up. You know, a lot of people are moving up. A lot of people are, are moving, you know, laterally or diagonally. And all of a sudden you have a new manager, a new team, you know, and, and things are being recreated. So, you know, you're moving into the role and everything's changing at the same time. That that's not that uncommon. It's a right? good point, John. Was that specific team dynamic something you realized before you were already over there? Like was did it ever cross your mind as you're weighing the decision to do I do this, do I not do this and take the new no. job? No, I, luckily I actually knew um, out of out of my peers, I knew three of the uh, of the five other uh, directors on my team. Um, so there's six of us directors on the team, and uh, three of the five I knew. So I was relatively no, I'm sorry, sorry, four of the six I knew. Um, so it was, I didn't know them extremely well, but I knew that they were very accomplished, good leaders. So I knew that, uh, I had, you know, something to learn from them. They could kind of show me the ropes. So, uh, you know, I, I, I did that and that established some opportunity for me to, to, to come in and kind of, you know, adapt quickly. So I never really questioned, you know, was there going to be some odd dynamic because I knew and respected the, uh, the individuals enough to know that, um, that they were all established and accomplished leaders in their own right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about, Brad, I feel like when people go after a job that they really want, 
whether or not they think it's a little bit of a stretch goal or some kind of different situation. Maybe at some point in the process, there's always that element of doubt and fear of leaving what's familiar. Did that did that happen to you at any point in the process? And if so, how did you get past it? Uh, I think that if you don't acknowledge that, that that existed, then you're lying to other people and to yourself, is my opinion of that, Nick. So, yeah, I, I absolutely had some, you know, some fear of the unknown. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think I ever really had fear of um, of can I do the job? You know, luckily, I've, I've had, you know, good. Uh, leaders that have inspired confidence in me and I, I asked I felt like I'd asked the right questions to understand what the job was going to be um, but you know you're, you're all you always wonder about what did what they told you in the hiring process is it going to hold up when you get there so I knew, I knew exactly what the uh, you know the the situation of the business was the situation of the talent the situation of the accounts was in in the the old position that I was in um, you know is it going to be kind of like the situation with the team that I joined where I thought it was going to be one thing, but it's kind of a 30 to 40 degree turn and, you know, not, not 180 degrees by any means, not even 90 degrees, but, you know, sometimes that 30 to 40 degrees can really impact your success. And I just, I, I had, uh, you know, kind of a, a come to Jesus with the fact that, um, you know, I thought that, it would inspire a significant, you know, amount of extra energy in me. Um, you know, it was an opportunity for me to continue to build, build my brand. Um, and those things outweighed the fear of the unknown. And the bigger thing than the fear of the unknown was just the, the gut wrenching, you know, emotion that I had to leave the team that that I had built that you know the 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 team members uh that that I led you know walking away from something that we we had built together that was the hardest part fear of the unknown was a distant second so is what you were walking away from not what you were walking towards Exactly. And, Loss aversion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, ultimately, you guys you guys know because I'm, I'm in the position, I decided that, you know, that uh, what the, the fear of the unknown of what I was walking to um, wasn't enough to to um, to keep me, you know, in the role. And I also, you know, had those epiphanies where. Brad, you're not, you're just not that important. You know, those kind of, those kind of things where, you know, the team was going to be fine. It wasn't going to fall apart if I left. It was, it was not the, I'm the only person that can do this job and I built this and I'm uniquely positioned to be able to keep it together. It was more of the fact that I love these folks. I love this team, not just the seven SEs that were on my team, the extended team. I had relationships, you know, throughout that those folks. And, you know, that was what uh, held me back. And when I realized that, you know, you, you, you can't let 
you can't always let that drive what you're doing in your career. You'll keep a lot of those relationships. That was when I, it, that's what finally pushed me over, you know, over the edge. A perfect example is the fact that, you know, you guys, Nick, you and John work together at, at VMware. And now, John, you've moved on to, you know, what you think is better for you and your career at Google. It doesn't mean that you guys have, uh, have you know, have, have just scrapped your your relationship. Those hold on. And that, that finally, you know, that epiphany finally came. And I was like, okay, this is the right thing for me to do. Right. You're not really leaving those people behind. Exactly. Got it. Well, Brad, I, I really appreciate all the time that you've uh, spent with us. Um, any closing thoughts, anything that, you know, you feel like maybe we missed or, or words of wisdom that you wish uh, we had uh, uh, pulled out of you? You know, just, uh, I guess, a, a wrap up on, you know, a few of those points. You know, I, I talked about decide what you want to do, make sure people know about it, and and don't be afraid to be bold and uh, and, you know, Figure out what you want to do and go for it. Go with your gut. Um, you know, it, it leads a lot of us, and uh, <laughs> it'll it'll do you wrong sometimes. But uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna hit a much higher batting average if you just follow it. So just encourage everybody to uh, you know to go for what they're what they want. Appreciate that. Thanks so much, Brad, uh, for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. Uh, we wish you good luck, and we'll circle back and uh, talk to you again sometime about you know the next big move. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, Nick. You guys, uh, you know, it's uh, it's great to see the passion that you guys have for for this kind of thing, and uh, you know, I wish that it was something that I had when I started off, and maybe some of those failures wouldn't have uh, been quite so painful. So, thanks for having me, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, this was valuable to everybody listening. Cool. Oh, no question about it. Thanks again. Definitely was. Yeah. first time brad was completely crushed in an interview was when he was going for what he thought his dream job was it was so funny because i had just assumed that he was following the trans you know the, the the classic advice of like you know um interview a bunch of times um where you don't care before you you go for one that you care about but i was quickly corrected <laughs> the correct answer is take the hardest punch to the face first <laughs> and then get uh, up and figure out how to move past it yeah yeah but even with this current position like all the that uncertainty and all the adjustments that he's making um to new teammates to a new manager to a new team it's just fascinating to to hear that you know that kind of thing happens as a manager too not just um you know, to individual contributors. And I just never thought about it from the perspective of somebody who's going through that and is managing a team of people. Yeah, we don't often think about that since we live through the lens of the individual contributor. I really liked his advice for transitioning to a new manager and 
breaking the ice, figuring out how they want to be communicated with and trying to make it as easy as possible for them to manage you. That's something that I'm going to keep in mind, you know, for the next time my manager changes. Yeah, actually, it's it's a question that I actually haven't asked my current manager. So maybe I will ask that question. Good call. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at VJourneyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios.